This is not your mother's middle age. No longer is waking up each day, living the wash, rinse, and repeat cycle acceptable. We have the life lessons, the relationships, the wins, and the losses with which to navigate to our highest self without hesitation and without fear leading the way. We have been there and done that, and so we have so much to offer the world and each other. So join me on this journey speaking to ordinary women doing extraordinary things for new insights, new ideas, new medical breakthroughs, and new life lessons. You will be inspired to find your best life here and now. My name is Wendy Charles McGuire, and this is your Second Wind Podcast. Hello, Second Winders. Today, I have a special guest for you. Meet Jennifer Rose, or you may know her as Shift Into You, Jennifer Rose, the coach on Instagram. Jennifer was your typical stay-at-home mom, but through a series of health challenges, she knew her life had to change. Jennifer needed a second act. And like most of everyone else on Second Wind, Jennifer found her calling and her purpose through a series of breadcrumbs and nudges. You may recognize Jennifer. She may be your friend, your neighbor, or even you. We have brought this topic here to Second Wind before with Jen Couch of Sober Sis. And actually, Sober Sis is where Jennifer got her started with the whole coaching journey. However, she decided to arc off the path and become trained in a somatic approach. And in that has created a new life for herself, her second wind. So welcome, Jennifer Rose. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here with you today. I am too. And I... I love what you post on Instagram and you were so kind. I just said, Hey, this is a big topic. We need to cover it on, on all fronts. And you're like, yes, let's go. And I, and I love that. So thank you. Absolutely. It's a huge topic. And it's a topic that I think is very new to the new vocabulary. It's new discussion. Um, And so it's awesome because it just opens up so many possibilities for women to find just a healthier way to be in a um, more authentic and aligned versions of themselves. Agree, 100%. So let's start with your second wind because that's kind of an intense story. And I, I can picture many people, maybe even myself, in your shoes. Yeah. So um, one day I, I had been, really my journey started with perimenopause. Um, Because what happened was what used to work for me in my body stopped working. Um, I used to be able to get away with a lot more. Oh, there's that uh, get away with. Yes. Yeah. I could get away with so much more. I was younger and in my body, I could, you know, I could do the whole wine o'clock situation or be on the cul-de-sac and the kids are playing and I'm drinking wine and I wake up the next day and I feel yucky, but then I'm okay. And then Mm -hmm. eventually it stopped being so easy to do that. And I, I remember, um, my sleep was really being disrupted. And I had tried a lot of ways to try to really sort of balance that out. Um, Perimenopause was, was, my hormones were disrupted and alcohol just wasn't helping. So uh, the story goes, and, and, and I can, I will never forget it. I was in the kitchen and my husband came down in the morning and I had been up late, late at night, again, probably half the night. And I just started to cry. I just tears rolled down my cheek. I said, I just cannot do this anymore. And he's like, I, I, I don't know. I said, I just cannot keep doing this 
And what I knew, whatever it was I had to change, I just had to do it because sleep was really important to me. I stayed home with my children partly for sleep um, because I knew we just, I can't do that. I can't do the thing where you sleep three hours a night and get up the next day and feel fine and work, do all the things. So um, sleep was really important. So that started me off on the journey. So that's really what got me moving in the direction of, of taking out anything I knew could disrupt sleep and alcohol was a big one. And that was the first, and it was, it was a game changer, an absolute game changer. Yeah. You said that was your first sort of domino. It was, it was because I never really had looked at alcohol as a problem for me. Um, I knew it was an indulgence. You know, Mm -hmm. I knew there were times I had too much of it. Uh, I knew that I probably shouldn't drink it but I definitely didn't view myself as having uh, an alcohol addiction issue. I didn't view myself as um, really being in that. There was no great, um, you know, sort of dramatic moment that someone could point to and say, oh, that's when I stopped drinking. It really was, again, just these small little, and and not so small with sleep, but issues that um, added up to just, hey, let's take a break and see how I feel. And, and that's, really what happened. And it it was amazing how much better I felt. Um, I felt like my sleep started, well, it wasn't all about sleep. That's what I learned too. Once you start peeling this onion, you know, it all comes. So uh, the sleep led to some hormonal issues. The hormone regulation led to some autoimmune issues. And, you know, slowly I started to really figure out, and I'm still in work in progress on that, my body and what feels right to my body. But, um, but taking the alcohol away just made an amazing difference in my anxiety levels. It just took all of the, it was a variable that I could then remove. And I knew it wasn't that now. So now if I'm not sleeping well, what is it? And then I can remove the variable oh. hormone and then I can say, okay, now what is it? Oh, okay. So then, and, and, and so um, I was able to really, um, and I feel that way about my life in a lot of ways now without alcohol. I don't have to wonder if alcohol is part of that issue anymore. Um, Oh, that's huge. It is huge. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, would you say, I don't know, we didn't actually talk about this, but do do you think that alcohol was kind of masking a lot? Kind of putting putting a cover over whatever was going on? Probably. The other day I felt like crap and I'm like, you know, and I hadn't been drinking and I, and I, for a while, and I thought, well, maybe if I just have a glass of wine. Yeah. And it's like, possible. Oh, yeah. Against. So that's a good question. Yeah. What comes first, right? The chicken or the egg? Do you feel badly and then you bring on wine to feel better or right. does wine make you feel? And so that's the variable that once you were able to remove it, you know, it stops being um, in the orbit. And so you can get a better, a better clarity on what's really going on. And I think that's really important. Um, and I think it was something that I didn't recognize, uh, was there before, but once I was able to pull it away, I was able to really then dig into what's really going on. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's why it is like that first domino, as I said. Right. It's such a, a wonky subject right now. It's teetering on the edge. Like you said to me, why, why is it okay to be gluten-free, dairy-free, sugar-free and doing all these things, but we can't say alcohol-free without getting some kind of weird look, right? Oh, yeah. And yeah. I was like, oh, that's a really good way to put that because it should be. It's, it's, it's part of, you're putting it into your body. It becomes part of your 
habit, your diet almost. So why can't you just be alcohol-free and have it be as respected of a choice as being gluten-free? Right. It's a wellness choice. I mean, it really okay. is. And, and I don't think that we are very clear on how much alcohol really throws our body off until we're able to really pull it away and see. Um, because I think mm. it does. It throws up anxiety levels. It creates um, doubt within us. We question ourselves um, because we, we know that sometimes we are a little fuzzier than we normally would be. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that so the confidence piece comes into play. And I think that there are a lot of reasons that women do have alcohol on board um, and they're different for everybody. And mm-hmm. I think really understanding yourself personally and why it's there and what it was doing for you and what you actually want um, is so critical because it's such an individual conversation. There's no one size fits all. And I think that's right. part, partly been why thus far, really the only resource that is widely known for an issue with alcohol is AA. And right. AA is very different in that it it, it really handles addiction, which mm-hmm. is not what we're talking about here. And so then then what? Where does that put you? That's that black and white sort of moment. Mm-hmm. And there's just so much of that spectrum of gray in between that, um, I mean, it, it can change your whole life letting go alcohol, really. Right. And that's a really mm-hmm. good segue. You just, you created a great segue to for us to discuss your approach, your somatic approach. Can you explain yeah. that? Because that's a word yeah. that can mean different things. Yes, absolutely. So my approach is one-on-one. So I work with women individually and try to help them curate a, um, a, a you know resources and, and curate different ways of managing and handling stressors in their life, um, really understanding what's driving their craving. craving. And the, the somatic approach to emotion is the piece that I think does set me apart in a lot of ways because so many of these programs that address gray area drinking address the thoughts, address the body, which are all really important. But the emotion is something that really you cannot do in a group setting. And so, yeah, that uh, somatic approach to emotion is using the body in a way to allow you to access some emotion that may be stuck, um, allowing your emotional operating system to really show you and point to what wants to be seen. Mm. And it's, it's just an amazing way of accessing and a modality to really tap into that emotional sort of turbulence or, or stickiness or, or block that might be there that may be helping drive the craving that you don't even realize is there. You don't know. Yeah. I think that we don't know what we don't know. Right. And it takes, it takes some different approaches and things we've never thought about and somebody to introduce us Mm -hmm. to different ways to look at things for us to say, Oh, that might be it. Yes, And that's what you offer with this. Yes. Because I think the only way we ever knew to access emotion in the past that I knew of uh, was just go to a therapist's office and sit on a couch and talk about feelings, which is awesome. And it's great worthy work. And I don't mean to in any way, shape, or form, I think everybody should try therapy. You're not sure. trying to dissuade anybody from going no. to their psychiatrist. Exactly. Right. No, no, right. no, no, no. I'm just suggesting that there are other ways to really sort of kind of identify because a lot of times when it comes to emotion, some women know right away, I have a lot of things that I want to work through. And some mm. women aren't really clear on what that may be. And just allowing them the opportunity to explore it can be really powerful. Um, and so I really think that's crucial. 
because um, even if there isn't a whole lot there on the emotional end, we're all human beings who have suffered pain and hurt throughout our lives. And some of those pains and hurts, trauma doesn't have to be some enormous momentous event. Right. It doesn't it be the kid be. laughing at you in fourth grade on the playground. That's right. And it that's doesn't exactly. have to be getting hit by a bus. That's exactly right. And sometimes those little traumas, yeah. they, they, they stay with us and they can, again, underpin craving. And, and so I work with women to really look at the full picture um, from the emotional and the mental and, of course, the physical aspect. And that's so needed. And you actually, you had to discover that for yourself. Well, I In did. Order. Yes. Yeah. And you tell us your story. Who is Jennifer yeah. Rose? Yeah. Who are we yeah. talking to? This pretty yeah. lady in front of us. <laughs> yes. I had to do all of this. I realized when I took away the alcohol that there were times where I brought the wine on board because I was frustrated or angry or overwhelmed. And I had to really start to dig in to what all that looked like. And the thing that was beautiful about it was that, and we talked a little bit about breadcrumbs and nudges and all of that. And I think that plays into your question about who I am, because again, I was a stay-at-home mom for all of those years. Yeah. And that's where we lose our own kind of autonomy um, and our own, you have to put, maybe you want to go do this, or maybe you want to go, happened to me a million times. I'd want to go work out. And then somebody would get a fever or you'd have to run to the school and bring somebody a lunch, Robbie McGuire, or somebody forgot a book and you're just, it's not your life. Right. And we accept that when we're parents and everything doesn't really go your way. Right. You were in the thick of that. And I was, and we, and I chose to be there. Right. And so I knew that. And so I, I, I really did, um, And I don't know, I honestly don't know that it's just stay home moms that feel that way. I think it's all moms that feel that way. That sense of um, their time really isn't theirs when they're doing the mom thing because everyone else's needs come before ours um, because that's what we do. And so as I started to really move into this alcohol-free lifestyle and, Mm -hmm. and pull it away, I started to realize that I had some issues that I had to address myself. I had some anger I had some frustration. I had some fear. I had some insecurity. I had to really get into all of that. And um, we ha- I had to have some real um, deep journaling moments. I um, worked this somatic approach um, and learned a lot about myself through that, this emotional approach. I learned a lot about myself just through communicating what I was feeling. Because mm-hmm. when you take alcohol away, there's nowhere to go. All of those feelings are right here and you don't have an option. You have to express, like move through that. Yeah. I don't get to walk around them anymore. No, no, absolutely not. And so that was all part of the process. And I knew that. And I was lucky enough to be married to a man who was totally game and uh, was willing to go with me there. And so that was a very much a blessing. I was lucky to have. Oh, so he gave up alcohol too? Well, no, I meant go with me there on the emotional oh. piece. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'd say, okay, I'm feeling really angry. I've got a lot to say. And um, so, he allowed you to vent. Oh, he allowed me to vent, all right. Like he, oh. I had to lay some things out because there was a lot there that I had been stuffing back. 
and I had to start expressing. And it wasn't his fault that I had stuffed it back. That wasn't right. his fault. Um, but he, he, I, I had to get all of that up and I had to lay it out and I had to express that. And so that was really important because I knew that in order to get through it, I had to express it. I had to release it. I had to move through. And, um, and so that's what I did. And, and, and this is not to say in a destructive way, I wasn't throwing things or hitting anyone, nothing like that. It was just, I had to process. Mm. And, um, and, and so he allowed me the space to do that. And that was a blessing to me. And I was very lucky to, um, really, I, I, I didn't, I knew that if I were to bring alcohol back on board, I would never really live my life all the way mm-hmm. because now I, that I took it away and I was feeling the joy and all of these beautiful emotions coming back and life was in color and all of those things. I knew if I brought alcohol back on board, I would just dim it again. And I didn't want to do that. So that was part of it. And so as I moved through the alcohol-free piece and and started really getting a feel for for that emotional component and how that felt in my body and all those things, I was really blessed because there was a woman who I had known through my journey who had worked with a coach. And I said, wait, what? there are coaches for this? And she said, yes. And it was just this amazing experience. And so I started looking into it and I started looking into the coach and I looked into, um, you know, who she was and what she was doing and what her approach was and started to imagine what would be mine, what would, what worked for me. And, and then starting to really, again, look for those breadcrumbs. And so she was one of the first, and then I, I found out, you know, who helped her get started. And then I reached out and, and, and all of those things started, it was again, like dominoes falling. I got right. um, my coaching certification. I got um, my, you know, Instagram going and started to learn about all of that. And, and then also again, training on these things, training on gray area drinking, training mm-hmm. on the somatic approach to emotion. And all that was really important. And, and I think as it turned out, this all came together in a way that I would have never imagined in the beginning, because if someone had shown me where I had to go, I would have been like freaking out. But every, every time I just follow each breadcrumb, it, it was like, it was like, nope, all I've got to do is this. And then I do it and then oh, there I've got to do that. And then oh my gosh, that is the theme. That is the theme for the last, I'd say 10 interviews and probably some behind, but it's just all of a sudden it's resonating. Everybody's saying that if they had seen where they are now, back when they were starting, they would have run the other way and said, no, 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 no. I don't see that being part of my world. Let's yeah. try something else. But then we're only supposed to see what we're supposed to see. That's and, right. and that's so funny that you said that. So, but this also came at a time when you in your life were feeling some um, health challenges and your husband had health challenges. Yeah. And this be, this all kind of, you know, talk about the universe working with you. You had that moment. I mean, you had a a pretty normal childhood, right? Yeah, everything was pretty normal. Yeah, it was. What ended up happening was I really, I recognized that I really loved mothering. So I knew that. And I knew it was a temporary job. I knew that. And then, so I knew that I had to find something new to mother at some point, right? So I did have that awareness that that was coming. We all sit there and say, what's next? What am I going to do when these kids go to college? 
And mm-hmm. I'm looking at this house and I don't have to clean up their stuff and worry about what they're eating, you know, mm-hmm. and go to the grocery store. And it, it can be very daunting. It can that's be all you've been doing. Yes. And it can be. And so that is where I think I veer off from the, the moms that work because they have that track already lined up and I didn't. Right. And so my husband did, he struggled with a cancer issue back. I think it was nine years ago. I want to say, mm-hmm. um, and it was pretty major. And so we did two years of cancer stuff. And, um, during that time, we all kind of, the whole train sort of went yeah. and stopped. And so, um, there was also college savings that had to sort of go somewhere else for a while there. And, and we yeah, kind cancer's of got not cheap. Yeah. It, and, and he wasn't really able to work for a bit there. So whatever the case may be, I knew that as it came to colleges for the kids, I wanted them to have options and I wanted them to feel like they, you know, to help that along. And so there was this incentive also, and then what a blessing that was Yeah, because had I not had that sort of incentive, I might not have been as, um, motivated to really take these risks because they were scary. Anytime you're really kind of reaching for that next breadcrumb, it it can be scary. You're looking around and saying, is this the right thing? Should I do this? And, and, and for something like this, it's very individual. There, there isn't an office that I walk into full of people doing what I do. And so there's that. There's no guaranteed client coming through your door. That's probably the most fearful thing. And I can relate to that because you put, you know, I follow the breadcrumbs, the nudges and did this podcast and you, you put it out there and you're like, okay, is anybody going to listen? Yeah. Right. You know, you spend yeah. all the time in the money and the interviews. It's very scary, but if you yeah. just stay to the process and that's what you did. Yeah. And I'm yeah. glad that you had that momentum. Yeah. And, and, and I think, push. and I think to your point there, I think the other thing that's really important that I'm learning is that on my Instagram, I am very authentic. I'm very, I write all of my own content. I do my own thing. And I think that's really important because what it does is it, it shows people who I am mm-hmm. and the people that see themselves in me reach out to work with me. And so the people I work with are the right fit because they are seeing themselves mirrored in my experience. And so I think that's really important as well because and that's um, well yeah. and that's the only way you advertise, correct? Is Instagram? Yeah, I just do Instagram. I I just Crazy. really yeah I can't that's amazing. I, I, I yeah it's great. And the thing with Instagram again is I'm really consistent with it, and I do it all myself. So any message you see from me on Instagram is coming directly from my fingers um, because I feel it's really important to stay connected to the women that are reaching out and the, their stories. Because then I know I'm, I'm where I'm hearing them and I'm feeling them and I see myself in them and they see themselves in me. And that every time it's another breadcrumb every time. And so that's a great blessing. And I'm sure that then you get someone and then they refer someone and it just kind of builds on itself. Sometimes it's very interesting though, because this subject doesn't tend to be one that a lot of women, some women do. Mm, but some women don't, don't really share. Want yeah, sure. And so there's that. And so mm-hmm. I am very careful about how, you know, um, sometimes some friends of mine will send me pictures of their dogs and I'll put them up there and I'll put what, whether they want me to tag them or not. I'm real careful because I don't want anybody to feel as though they've been exposed in any way. But most of the yeah. women that I work with, um, you know, they do come organically and 
it's so funny because I think I have a job where a lot of people, they don't even ask what I do because they know what I do and they don't want to ask about it like in my life because it's just a subject that is so, I don't know if it's, I don't know if there's shame or guilt that's associated with Or they think you're going to judge them. Or they, or they feel like they, I don't know what it is, but it's so curious. I remember once hearing Brene Brown say that she shuts down conversations by saying I'm a vulnerability researcher. And I think that um, saying I'm a gray area drinking coach is probably second in line for that because okay. I'm telling you 90% of people, they're like, oh, interesting. Huh. Anyway, That's me. I'll see you later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, yeah need, um, I need to go freshen my drink. Yeah. When I was doing um, integrative nutrition, you know, and before that people would hide their grocery carts from me in the store. You know what, what I mean? mean? Like I'm not looking. Okay. I looked a little bit, but I'm not judging. Okay. I might've judged a little bit, but you do you. Yes. I still love you. I tell you. Well, the thing is because no one can tell you when it's time for this to be your right. choice. Nobody right. can tell you that. And it may never be. Some people may go mm-hmm. their whole life, uh, you know, drinking wine here and there never, ever have to consider how it's impacting them. And that's, to each his own, you know, absolutely to each his own. So, um, I think it's, I think everybody knows when it's time to really Mm -hmm. look at this closely and, and when it's time, you know, yeah, you get the little voice in your head Mm -hmm. and if it comes up regularly, Mm -hmm. it's time to actually open the door and welcome it in. Well, it's a good point you make. And I think it's a really interesting subject because I do think that there's not a lot of conversation about the impact of alcohol on women's health. Right. And I think that's unfortunate. I recall going in to see the doctor um, mm-hmm. who was a specialist in perimenopause and mm-hmm. I had been alcohol free. And I said, Oh, and I gave up alcohol. And she was like, Oh, that has nothing to do with this. And I thought it was amazing to me how dismissive she was of it. And I thought, I mean, if you're a woman and you are having these little thoughts and you go to see your healthcare you know, doctor, whatever it is, and they sort of kind of blow it off. Our Western medicine. It, how do you, there's no language for that, really. How do you even look for resources there? And I think that's unfortunate. And that's I'd funny. love to see that change. Yeah, that's funny you say that because my mother, who is 84-ish, um, she had these like heart arrhythmia things and all this stuff going and she, she can, you know, you build up the tolerance over the last 80 years and you can put down some wine and, you know, she never got drunk. She never got, you would never know, mm-hmm. but it still happened. And I talked to her cardiologist. I like, I'm like, did you share with her? You, you know, you down this much wine every day. She said, oh, that doesn't matter. I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to call her. And, and this woman, actually, she said, oh, I didn't realize that might have something to do with this. Mm-hmm. And that's that mindset that it's not part of the discussion with our caregivers. And it could be on both sides. It could be. Oh, absolutely. It's on both sides. We hold back the info. And they, I remember doing a post one time about what the, what um, moderate drinking is considered what is it considered? I, I want to say it was something unbelievable. I'm not even going to be able to think of it, but I thought I 
there was moderate, um, there was heavy drinker. And I, I remember saying on my post, it was there a very heavy drinker category? Cause that would have absolutely been me. It was something insane. I, I can't even remember. I'm going to lose it. Maybe it was a glass or two of wine a few times a week. Maybe it was like three times a week. It was something outrageously small. Yeah, what if you did it every night? And what if you did, what if you went on the weekends and you went out with friends and you were out to dinner and you had a cocktail before you left and you had uh-huh. you know, two or three a dinner. I mean, you're and into you it. Adding them up. And then and it's like then four or five by yeah. the time the 10 hours is done or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think too, we talked a little bit about this before, which was that just sort of where you come from as well, right? So when you come from a family that is all drinking, drinking mm-hmm. is very different. When you come from a family where no one drinks, one glass of wine makes you look like a heathen. And so there's that too, <laughs> that kind of, you know, cultural or um, yeah. whatever that looks like. We all come from a different place. So that's why I think the individual approach is so powerful because we all do come from a different place with this. And we all bring our own baggage to this conversation and, mm-hmm. and our history. And so then finding marching steps forward um, can be really helpful um, on that individual level. So that's so I'm glad you said that you're so great to interview because you just helped me segue to the next thing. Cause I'm sitting here going, okay, I want to find out what happens when somebody contacts you, contacts you on yeah. Instagram. What, what happens? What yes. take me through that? Well, yeah. So it's a great question. So when someone contacts me on Instagram, um, first I, I like to get a feel for where they are and what mm-hmm. they need. Um, and, and if they're in a place where they are, look like they are um, in that gray area and really feel as though um, they'd like some help with it, I schedule um, a quick call. It's just 15 minutes. We jump on the phone and um, just get a little detail on what their struggles are and what their goals are. Um, mm-hmm. And then that gives me some information on whether or not I can help them, right? Because I can't help everyone that comes to me. Um, right. I do my best to make sure I send them in the direction of resources that get them there. But, um, so when I do find that we would be a good fit, I invite them to do a deeper dive call and that's one hour. And then we go into something far more, um, sort of detailed. So the, what's not working and then the, where you'd like to be, and we get a feel for where that is. And if after that call, I feel like we'd be a really good fit. I get into all the details on the program and how it works and that sort of thing. Um, and then, and then we get started. And so um, I find that I do not have, um, I know some of these um, larger uh, influencers have all kinds of groups and um, videos and all of that mm-hmm. sort of thing, the um, uh, group calls and all of that. I have one a week where my people can come in and talk to me and connect with one another, which I think is really important. But mm-hmm. um, I work really mainly on that one-on-one approach. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I love the group component, however, because when we're finished our one-on-ones, they can stay with that group component just to provide them a tether to their, to their process and to their work. And it gives them that sense of, of having a guardrail there, right? So if they need to reach out and, and grab on, they can. And so I really appreciate that that gives them a a full level of support, you know, Mm -hmm. moving out of the one-on-one and then what's next and, and not just sort of ending it or cutting it off too soon. Oh, that's awesome that you do that. So do you have an example? I mean, this is a lot of work for you and mm-hmm. it's, and you've been quite successful at it. So mm-hmm. congratulations to you. And you Thank followed you. your gut. You followed your intuition. You followed the, the breadcrumbs and the nudges and look, 
it's it's yeah. working and you're and you're serving others which is our purpose and i certainly Absolutely. appreciate that mm-hmm. you've got to have some good stories of of when you hung up the phone or got off the zoom call you said this is why i do this oh i do boy Can you it share? happens to me all the time oh Ooh, i love thanks. that i well i've been posting what i do is i ask for feedback from my people to give me a feel for where they think things worked and where things maybe could use some tweaks. Um, and I really appreciate that because it helps me to build a better program. And right. I share them on my Instagram stories. Um, and so I post them there, the kind words that people say. But I feel honestly as though every, what I, I, I feel this way every time I get off the phone call. Every time I get off a phone call. Because what's beautiful about my work is I meet you where you are that day. And whatever that is, is what we're going to tackle. So we might have a program with these themes and all this type of thing. But if you're stuck right here on, say, for example, boundaries, we're going to work on those boundaries until you feel like, okay, okay, this is good. This is good. I know where I'm going with this. And then I say, okay. And I hang up that phone and I think that's awesome. That feels so good to me. Uh because I know that wherever they are, they're on the next breadcrumb. I'm helping them see the next breadcrumb for themselves. And that's really, I think, what's so awesome about it. But it's hard to even nail down to one specific story because I really do feel that way every time I get off the phone. I love hearing my people catch wins. I love when they say, I can't, I can't even believe this. That's what I get a lot. I can't even believe this. And I just, I think that's amazing. When we do some of the somatic work, I will check in a couple of days later and how do you feel? And, uh, and, and some women are just like, just, wow, just, I feel lighter. I feel, um, a, a weight lifted and that's just, it's awesome. And I love that. And so I really feel that every person that comes to work with me is meant to be with me. I feel like mm. every call I take, I'm meant to take, even if you're not meant to work with me, I feel really strongly about that. And I've had to find my way through that. You know, it took me some time to really understand what um, what a good fit might look like. I, mm-hmm. I had to really train on that as well. Um, I had, it took me some time to really develop some resources to send people somewhere else because right. in the beginning, I didn't quite even know where to send them. Um, and so there's that piece. But um, it's hard to really even say specific stories because too, I have a, a confidentiality. I'd hate to- Right, sort of right, right. No, that's fine. But it's a, it's an awesome, awesome experience to watch a woman. And this is why I love working with women because when you work with women, they are the center spoke of households. They're the center spoke of communities. When you get a woman and you get her in alignment and feeling confident and positive and, and in her authentic power, she then becomes that for everyone around her. And it's like throwing a rock in a pond, and all the ripples that come off of it. And that's what I love. And I, I just really, um, I feel that it, it strengthens children. It strengthens families. It strengthens communities. It just, it strengthens everything around because that's what we do as women. We, we nurture other people. And when we are learning and able to nurture ourselves, it's a game changer. You are so true. I noticed when I didn't feel well, the entire household was like, Meh. even the yeah. animals, even the dogs were like, Meh. and I was like, wait a minute, how can I have all that 
you know, without me even knowing it. And it's true. When I'm in a good mood, everything seems to just go much better. It's really interesting how we have that energetic ability. We do. We do. And that's amazing that you said that. Yeah. And I think too, we also, and and I'm speaking to the moms here, not everyone I work with is a mom or is a mom yet. Um, And so I appreciate that this isn't necessarily this statement is not for everyone. But I think too, as a mother, often I did get caught in this thought that I had to be super selfless in order to be the best mom I could. And then I had to think to myself, but what kind of model is that for my girls? So Mm -hmm. then they're going to go and get married and they're going to be totally selfless and forget themselves entirely so that they can be the best moms. Is that what I really want for them? And I remember when I thought about it that way, I was like, so really actually me being a little more selfish is me actually being a better mom. Right. And making that connection was really helpful because then it gave me the space to say, oh, no, no, no. Nope. Not going to do that. Boundaries. You had the boundaries. Yes. Yes. So what keeps you moving every day and, and getting up and doing this? Is it because you know, every day you're going to serve someone? I know every, I know every day I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. I know exactly where I'm a Christian and I don't coach from a Christian perspective, but I am a Christian. And I know that every day, this is exactly where God wants me to be. And I know that. And I believe that in my whole fiber of my being. And I know that this is my job. And so I know that I am meant to do it. And so I just do. And that's what makes me go every day. And I'm the one who has to actually sometimes catch my breath and say, okay, put it down, walk away. Oh, <laughs> go for a walk, yeah. get your rest. Yeah. I'll keep going. I'll keep going and going right. and going because I love it. I love the people I work with. I love what I do. Yeah. Yeah, what you still have matters. to do stuff for you. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. yeah. you got to shift into you, right? That's exactly right. <laughs> but it's really important that my energy stays right because right. I am. So I have to show up, and so I have to really stay very balanced, which is important. Oxygen mask on you That's before right. you put it on someone you else. You know it. That's a hundred percent. So, how do people get in touch with you? Yes. So um, my Instagram is shift underscore into underscore you. So you can click through there. I also have a website, www.jenniferrosecoaching.com. And you can click on there and you can um, reach me through either of those two. So I am absolutely love hearing from everyone. I love hearing. I love even hearing people say, could you do more content on this? Mm. And it gives me an idea of what people want to see more of and what people want to hear more of. So I love it. You are super selfless. And I know this was part necessity, but that you've just taken the, the bull by the horns and run with it. I mean, you are serving so many and I've enjoyed listening to your insights and you, and you are just a fabulous person. And I hope that anyone who has that little voice listening and resonates with you, we'll definitely get on Instagram. And if not, you know, give you a, a message and call you, yeah. at least follow you, right? Yeah. No harm, no foul, just by following. That's right. Thank you so much. I so appreciate oh, you so having me welcome. here. This has Absolutely. been so much fun. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah. And thank you for doing this because I think it's so important. The second win thing concept is so important because 
when we're finished with that first act, coming up with what's next is vital because we have so much to offer, so much wisdom and so much um, really, I think, purpose that Mm -hmm. we have to find as we move out of that whole first act. And I just so appreciate you're doing it. Oh, thank you. It wasn't my idea, but it was, it was for me to answer those questions and there was nothing out there. Like I already made the the peanut butter sandwiches. I already knew how to, I wasn't a good, wonderful mom. And I did the time management, but it I did the the daycare. I did it all. And then you're like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing it anymore. I don't really need to hear about it. So what's, what's out there. So yeah, yeah, thank you for saying that. I really appreciate appreciate that. that. And I have one last question for you. Um, Of the people that you interview, what percentage of them are actually doing in their second act what they trained in in college or in in the careers earlier? Is it a lot? Very good question. So I will say that every single person has been able to put all of the building blocks together that draw the pathway that are the connectivity to what they're doing right now, um, whether it was what they actually studied or not. So they look at it as a purposeful part. Yeah. I think that's the same for you, right? Yeah. I think that's an interesting concept because especially now as I'm parenting children in college, I think about what they're doing and the choice and the stress they're putting behind the choices they're making. And I think, oh man, just. It's oh, I tell them to chill out. out. Things it's are going to change gonna a million out. times. Yeah. yeah. Just, just do your best at everything you do and the doors will open. That's right. I love That's it. Simple. Well, thank you. I really thank appreciate so all that you're doing. Much Jennifer Rose. And until next time, breathe in your second wind. Thank you for listening today. I hope that something you heard made you smile, made you think and made you feel. If these incredible stories empowered you, awakened you, or left you feeling inspired, make sure to share with a friend and write us a review on iTunes so we can continue to change lives through this content. Make sure you tag us while you're listening on our Facebook group, My Second Wind, or hit the link in the show notes to join the conversation. Until next time, go ahead and breathe in your second wind.